So what we're able to do is become that network, become that family, and help her get back on track. Mike check, one, two, one, two, what's going on? Welcome into another episode of the KZ Community Beat. I'm your host, Ross Martinez. In the hot seat this week, I have the executive director of Dream Center Peoria, Andy King. What's up, man? How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. I know. We go back like a year now. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Something like that. We just talked about yeah, that. Yeah. So I think it's clear to say you may not be from Peoria. No, uh, I am not. And I'm not from Southern Texas either. I, you know what? <laughs> I had California vibe, if anything. <laughs> no, where are you from, man? Originally from England, uh, if you're looking at a map of England, if you put your finger right in the middle of England, there's a town uh, called Coventry, Coventry, and it is. I was in from a town just just outside of Coventry called Nuneaton, but Coventry is famous for Jaguar cars. That's really? that's where the Jag came from. So you're from the Peoria of England. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> How in the world did you end up here? Oh, man, that's a long story. So I grew up in the UK and was, you know, enjoying life, went, oh, yeah. to, went to college uh, and trained to be a chef, which I've never done since I left college. Um, but th I just felt like I needed a bit of a backup. And let me explain what that is, because mm -hmm. my dad was a pastor of a church in England, and I always felt a call to church work ministry type stuff um but it's not like over here where there's churches and big churches with big staffs in the uk if you want to be on a church staff it's normally the pastor maybe a couple of people so just two three two or three people so my dad would be like you need to have a backup plan if the church thing doesn't work so i was at school and the catering college came in one day and i thought that's pretty good and so I went to college uh, for two years through catering. And also I did uh, restaurant management and leadership. So there was things that I've been able to pull from that time, um, but really went through that, but then went directly from there to Australia. And <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> you did not have a linear path. It seems no. like. <laughs> um, Went to Australia to be on a youth ministry team. And while I was in Australia, and this is where it gets crazy, okay? So are you <laughs> ready, ready for a crazy story? Yeah. Okay. So I'm in Australia, and my dad calls me, and he said, hey, we've had this church in Washington, Illinois, uh, approach us, and they want him to be the senior pastor. We've never, like, my dad's been to, I'd been to America once, maybe twice, but, like, this wasn't on the agenda at all, right? Yeah. We were staying in England forever. And my dad was very successful in England uh, within the denomination that he was in. And so we never thought he had a great church. We never thought he'd move. You had it set up. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, now you're in Australia, so you need to decide whether you want to come back to England uh, and because I was doing some youth pastoring as well. So I could have gone back and done that. Uh, you could stay in Australia or you can come to America with us. I said, well, okay, let me think about it over this next week and then I'll decide. So this is where it gets crazy, okay? <laughs> and, you know, obviously I'm I'm in the faith world, right, of, of, of what uh, church world. And so there's things that sometimes happen where, like, that doesn't happen by coincidence. Serendipity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that night... We are at a conference. There's a group of us that are going to this conference. And I'm in Australia, right? In the six months that I've been there, I have not seen or heard from one American, okay? A lot of Americans don't make it to Australia because it's so far it's and far so trip. expensive. Is that like a day trip? Oh, it's from England. It was 26 hours on the plane. Oh. So, yeah, it's a long trip. <laughs> it's a long trip. So I know that my dad has been asked to go to this church in Washington and I know that it's right next to Peoria, Illinois, right? So we go to this conference and I've not seen one American, right? In not six months. This guy gets up to preach at this conference and he's like, you know, I never tell this story at all, but 
everyone thinks that I'm Australian because he had a thick Australian accent. He said, but actually, I'm originally from America. <laughs> so now I'm like, whoa, first American I've seen. And he said, and I never really go into where I was from, but I, I came from this town called Peoria, Illinois. And I'm like, no way. He just said Peoria, which my dad had said, Peoria is next to Washington. Huh. I grab him afterwards. I'm like, hey, you've got to tell me more of your story. And he's like, I grew up in East Peoria and went to, was on the border and went to Washington High School, right? And here's my dad being asked to go to the church in Washington. And I'm like, this is crazy. So if that wasn't enough of a sign for me to move to Peoria, that night I go out to watch a movie with this group I'm with. And um, the movie is So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, yeah. Right? Mike Myers, right? Comedy, great comedy. The opening scene is a coffee shop and they're following this waiter and they've got like the camera above the coffee mug, right? And they're following, you can see the crowd in, in, in front of the coffee mug and they're looking for Mike Myers and they give Mike Myers the coffee. And as the camera pans back, there is a map of America behind him and right above his head is Peoria, Illinois. No. And so... Wait a minute. I'm going to go watch this tonight. Oh, yeah. Just to see this. It's crazy. It's the opening scene. They're in this coffee shop. There's a stand-up comic that's talking. My hair's got up. <laughs> my hair. If you can see, my hairs are up. Because what are the chances? Same night. From England, somebody from East Peoria <laughs> yeah. in Australia. Yeah. Like, I'm from Chicago, born and raised, <laughs> two and a half hours from this place. I didn't know PR existed yeah. until my application got sent. <laughs> when I came out, I'm like, windmills? <laughs> Where am I? Yeah. So so from what? that night, um, I called my dad. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but I just know I need to come with the family and we'll see what happens. And so it was about 20, 20 years ago that the Dream Center was established. My dad planted a church in Peoria downtown, and then that church established the Dream Center. And about two years into that was when I applied for the position, and uh, I've been there been there ever since. I did take a, a nine-month uh, time down in Nashville. A church in Nashville asked me to go and help them set up Dream Centers down there, uh, and so I was down there for a, for a little bit, but been been working at the Dream Center literally from day one. So is that why it was named Dream Center, just chasing the dream? Well, you would think so. And, and you know, I just want to make this this disclaimer. Mm-hmm. We are not connected to the hospitals. A lot of people think... I thought you were. Yeah. A lot of people... Jason. Like, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people think that the Dream Center is the sleep apnea facility for the... We are not. Although there is some sleeping that goes on there because we have a homeless shelter there. Nice. But but no, it, it's the Dream Center was actually the original one was established in LA. And the leadership team of that church that started with my dad went out to LA to see this model of an organization that wasn't just one church owned, but it was something that the community could wrap their arms around. Hmm. But that organization could impact the community in so many ways. And so that model that they saw in LA, they bought to Peoria 21 years ago. Were you able to incorporate any of the life lessons you learned while being out overseas, like that you saw from the pastors just being very communal? As you said, it was like three people running the entire faith community. Sure. Like, what type of things did you bring from that chapter of your life into here being the executive director at Dream Yeah. Center? Well, for me, you know, and obviously I was very much into youth ministry for many of those years. And so I've always been a believer that, you know, the young generation or the next generation can make a difference. Of course. And so we have a lot of volunteers and even people on staff that are young. I'm okay in giving a young person a chance. They may fail a few times, but that's why I'm, I and the team are there to help them up and, and say, we can do this, right? And so in doing the Dream Center, we do things a bit different, right? It's not your typical 
non-profit, the way perhaps the way we do branding, perhaps the way the facility inside feels, the way we treat people, our core values at the Dream Center is dignity, compassion, and purpose. So anyone that comes into our building, we want to feel the dignity, not not just by what we do interactively, but also by the building. We don't want it looking ran down. We want it the best because we want to give someone dignity when they walk in. Yeah. Uh, we want to show them compassion, whether that's um, if someone is needing clothing or food or just, hey, how's it going? We can give them that. Humanity um, yeah, the humanity aspect. But then where I feel a lot of nonprofits um, stop, and it's okay, it's not an issue at all, a lot of nonprofits do great with the dignity and the compassion side. Mm-hmm. But for us... That third element of purpose is crucial. Why is that? Because we see, for us, we see so many young people and older people who come in who have no purpose. They've, their dreams have been dashed. Life has hit them really hard. They feel like, for instance, we deal with a lot of homeless people. They feel like being homeless is it. And we're like, no, this, this is just the stepping stone to something greater. And so we try and work with each and every individual that comes through the Dream Center to not get, just give them dignity and compassion, but then show them that God's created them for better, for more. And, uh, and so we see a lot of young people that our main core mission statement is impacting families living in poverty, starting with kids and youth. Because mm. we know kids and youth... Um, it's not easy for them to change where they're at. It's very difficult. You know, it's, I mean, nowadays, even people in the 30s, 40s, something. Correct. It's, and you take a kid who's, you know, um, living in a certain area of town, or maybe mom doesn't have an area to live. She's homeless. That child now is a product of what's going on in the parent's life. And so for us, if we can help impact the students and the kids, we can then have a doorway into what's happening within the home. And so that's how we we approach everything we do. We're always looking at how can we impact the kids and the youth to then be able to really impact the family. Of course. I visited uh, Dream Center once. I got invited out by uh, Mr. Cannon. Yeah, yeah. For his, um, is it Elite program? Yeah. I think it is? Yeah. So besides the Elite program, what other services do you offer at the Dream Center? Yeah, so... Um, so Carl uh, Cannon, so they're a, no, a non-profit that is housed in our building. So you give them the uh, so we give the them space. space. The yeah, yeah, Beautiful. because we know we're, we're not we're not on this journey on our own, right? So within the Dream Center building, we have two other non-profits that are are in the building: Elite and Camp of Champions, which is a a summer camp program. Oh, and nice. so they they're housed in there. And then when it comes to the Dream Center and what we do, we have four areas, okay? So the first area uh, is what we call DCP students. And that's our, our kids through high school, out of, out of school programs. So uh, anytime after school, we'll have anywhere between 40 to 80 high schoolers and younger kids uh, from five, literally from five years of age up to 18, um, they're a part of our after-school programming. Nice. And we do that different, right? How so? So for our kids, from 5 to 12, 11, 5 to 11, we have mentors, tutors. They're helping with homework. They're helping with reading skills, math. You name it, we do it. Like a, a typical after-school program, right? But when those kids turn 12, so junior high through high school, they're not only getting that side of it, but we also have a full-blown trade school at the Dream Center. Oh. So we have um, a garage with small engine repair and motor mechanics, like building motorbikes, lawnmowers, snowblowers. And we've got, we've got mentors that have our students with them, and they're teaching them how to change oil, how to sharpen a blade on a lawnmower, how to take literally take a motorbike apart and rebuild it. Like we, they do all of this with the volunteers. So um, you're instilling them life 
Life skills. Life skills. Yeah. So not only do we have that, we have a carpentry studio. So kids are learning everything from building a birdhouse to a shed and everything in between. That's, I love that. Um, so they're learning, if you think about a shed, it's like a little house. So mm-hmm. they're learning construction. They're learning angles. They're learning all these different things. I mean, that, they're using the mathematics they've learned in the program after school, but it's, it's yeah. life skills, lessons that could lead into monetary or even self-sufficient Absolutely. skills. If something goes broke in the house, guess what? You already know how to adapt. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> we have motor, motor mechanics. We have carpentry. We have 3D printing. We have electrical circuitry. We have T-shirt printing. Huh. And then the latest one that we've just opened that has exploded, <clears throat> and I'm hoping people that are listening to this will jump on board with this. We have DCP Coffee. What's, and, what's DCP Coffee? And within our facility, we have a full-blown coffee roaster, and kids are learning everything from... Um, where coffee comes from. We do a whole geography lesson on where it comes from, how it gets its taste. We buy the beans green. And then the kids with some of the top roasters in Peoria show these kids how to roast the beans at the Dream Center. Mm. Then the kids package them. They, They go online and people can order DCP coffee and are able to get coffee that the kids have prepared. Really? Yeah. And so it's exploded on us. We we can't, I mean, our roaster is going all the time because oh. so many people, like we've got coffee shops in the area that are now using our coffee because it's so good. Really? Yeah. I see you trying to combat the Girl Scouts. Hey, come on. <laughs> come on. So, yeah. I like that. So DCP yes. Coffee, people can go on, on, on our website and we've even got it to where people can go on and every month get a bag or every every other month get two bags or whatever. So like creating a rewards program now. Yeah. And what's happening is, as this coffee um, is going out to people, you know, that purchase it, right. The money that comes back in just goes straight back into the program. And how do these kids feel seeing the, putting the product out and seeing the community support it back? It's huge, mate. I mean, we've got like, you know, in our coffee program alone, right. We have seven students who do, who were focused on that. All seven had never been in a coffee shop before. Huh. Right. So you talk about expanding these kids' minds as far as we've just bought it. Someone, a donor just bought a brand new, like a legit brand new espresso machine, like you would see at Zion or 3030, like a legit one. These kids are now learning how to be baristas. So they could walk into a Starbucks, a Zion, thirty thirty. The spot they can make their own, and they're already up on anyone who may be having there for an interview because they've already learned it on a legit, a legit piece of equipment. So that's, that's the type nice. of stuff we're trying to do. We're trying to break the cycles of poverty and showing them a way out of poverty through different businesses and through different trades. What makes you this passionate to give back to the youth? I think it's just because I've, you know, I've got kids of my own and I want the best for them, right? You know, my boys right now, both are living in LA, doing very well. One's a graphic designer, one's a musician. Um, My daughter's 18, about to uh, step into that next phase of leaving school, right? And I want the best for them. And I I just get passionate. And I think it's the youth ministry side of me of seeing young people really succeed and so this is a way we can do that. And that's, you know, we, we've just talked about one area of the Dream Center. There's three other areas where we're able to really impact people's lives. Um, but the student side of it, what's great about the students is this. We have 60 to 80, depending on time of year, if basketball season's in, you know what I mean? There's a lot of extra acti- activities that kids do. But what's amazing is the kids that we're seeing aren't just kids who are coming from the neighborhoods, but they actually live in the building. Because the next division I want to talk about within the Dream Center is DCP housing. And what our housing is, is within the Dream Center, we have the only emergency shelter for women and children in Peoria. So if anyone is homeless and they're 
a lady or a, a single parent mum with kids or a father and dad or a family intact, our homeless shelter is the place to go. We're open 24-7. Really? And that's what makes it emergency. So 3 o'clock in the morning when the police may stumble across um, you know, a lady under the bridge or somewhere, we're the only place in town that she can go to that's safe and is open. So instead of her dying at minus 10, minus 15 weather-wise, 105 outside. or 105, we're the place that's open. And so every mm -hmm. night, now this is where it, it gets a bit heartbreaking for us. Mm -hmm. Every night, we're looking anywhere between 60 to 150 people coming to the Dream Center. The average age is nine years of age. So when you consider a single parent mom comes in, she may have three or four kids. That's what lowers the average age for us. And so um, like last year alone, we had um, 1,100 people that came to the Dream Center for shelter. And so our caseworkers can work with the individuals that come in. We know, just because of the nature of what we do, that some are going to be with us for a long time, right? Mental illness is a big deal, especially within the homeless population. And so we become home to them. But the majority, probably 75% that come in, we tell them, this isn't, we're going to, you can treat this like it's home, right? But we don't want you to feel like this is it. There's life after the dream center. It's comfort, hope, but also we're here to push forward. If you yeah, like. yeah. And okay. so here's how we do that. We work with some amazing, amazing agencies in Peoria. If there's a family, a single parent, mom, we can direct them to, to those agencies to get them in a home and things like that. But within the Dream Center, we have 21 apartments. The top three floors of the Dream Center have one to three bedroom apartments where we can transition folks from our homeless shelter who are willing and ready to do it into our village program. It's called The Village. And the reason why it's called The Village is because we know a lot of the ladies that come in especially, they've lost that community. And, and let me explain why. When people come to our homeless shelter, like I mentioned, there is a small, small minority that are um, have mental illness, right? Mm -hmm. The majority are women, or uh, on their own, or families that have moved to Peoria for one, one or two reasons: either a job or a boyfriend. They move to Peoria from another city thinking that one of these or both of these is lined up. And when they get here, one or both falls apart. Either the job is near or the boyfriend says, oh, you've got two kids. That's not what I really signed up for. So now you've got a mom with a few kids. And what she doesn't have is the network that she had from the city that she came from. The family. The family. The aunts, the uncles, the friends. She's moved. So now she's in a, a city on her own. So what we're able to do is become that network, become that family, hmm. and help her get back on track. One of the ways is getting them into the village. So we have caseworkers, we have youth workers, counsellors, and, and here's what we found, because we've been doing this now for about 12, 13 years. And because, you know, we're audited, you know, every year, so <laughs> yeah. we have to keep really good records, right? <laughs> and so one of the things that we have found is if someone goes into the village, 97% never go back to homelessness. Really? And that's the aim for us, is... Get them into the village because we know we're going to get them a job. We're going to get them friends and uh, around the area. We're going to get them a network, may connect them to different support groups. We have different groups as well. That network starts moving to the point where now we can say, 
we think you're ready now to go for an apartment or even a small house. You've got this great job at one of the hospitals that we got you. You can now step out. And so we're able to help. And even when they step out for six months after, our case management team are still checking on them, making sure they're okay. But 97% will never end up in our homeless shelter again. You don't see that rate. I, I've been doing interviews like this for years, and that's not a succession rate I hear right. very frequently of yeah. that. 97, like I hear 56, yeah. 78, yeah. maybe 82, but 97. Yeah, and what we find is those few that do come back mm-hmm. are the ones that are like, well, I'm ready to go. And we're like, nah, we, we just feel you need to like, Take a little bit longer, get an establishment, and they're so like, "No, no, no." You don't kick them out. You no, let no, them no. Feel we want them comforted. to, yeah, and we want them to feel loved. Uh, but they also, we also want them to feel like we can speak into their lives, and and we we definitely do that. Now there are some where we're like, "You've got a legit job at OSF right now. You need to now be looking." So you know what I mean? Else. Yeah, yeah. We will never kick anyone out, but we are encouraging people if we feel that they're ready. Yeah, because the number of homelessness fluctuates throughout the years. Yeah. How is it now in Peoria? In the last year, and and this is something that we've been dealing with since literally last April, May, our numbers have doubled. Okay, so for instance, if we'd have been having this conversation this time last year, we would be averaging around 50 people a night we're now averaging around 100 people a night. There was a time last July, June time for four weeks straight, we had between 140 and 150 people. We've never seen that many. Our homeless shelter is designed for 125. And so we'll never turn anyone away because we're the only place, right? And so we'll get mats out. We'll open up other rooms. We'll put put people in corridors. We'll find space. Yeah, we'll find space. We don't like it. Um, but we know that we can do that, right? And if you add that, we're we're also feeding everyone. So last year alone, we fed 89,000 meals to people who came through the doors of the Dream Center. That's family, you know, all the kids that come in, everyone that stays every every day, there's a three, three meals. We have uh, our after-school program, they all get meals as well, all the different programs we do. Uh, and in fact, we turned two racquetball courts because our building is the old YMCA building. It's massive. Yeah. And so we've got to be creative with the space. And so we cr- turned two racquetball courts into one big commercial kitchen last year so that we could um, we could bring dignity through the food that we serve, right? Bef- before that, we had other nonprofits that would bring food to us, and we were very thankful for, for them doing that. The only, the only thing that bothered me was we had no control on what came. And so... Whatever was given was given. Was given, and we were very thankful, but we just felt like we need for us, we need to up that side of what we're doing at the Dream Center. And so we have a full kitchen crew now and churning out incredible meals... And um, people eat well at the Dream Center because we want the dignity side of it. And so that's impressive. Yeah, you. So when was this full kitchen fully? Uh, we opened it last February, and uh, it took about six months to build. Um, again, our community is incredible. People step up like like crazy. We. We raised eight hundred thousand dollars in four weeks, in four weeks, and we have never seen that before. Like we just threw it out there to people, to other foundations, people that are a part of what we do. And here's here's a crazy thing. So we let these the folks know what we were doing, and we were going to have an event in four weeks on, and that was going to be like the fundraiser, right? So in that four weeks, people were contacting us and saying, what's this event about? So we'd be telling them, and they're like, well, put me down for this amount. And we're like, yeah, but the fundraiser is where you've got to tell us. And they're like, well, put me down. When we got to the fundraiser, we only had $60,000 to raise because people were just giving 
before we got to the fundraiser. So how did you build that reputation in the community? Because we know Peoria to be a town that, a community that is big hearted. Yeah. There's plenty of organizations giving back, trying to help on all facets that we need in the community. Yeah. How do you feel you guys have built that rapport within the community that strongly where you're able to make that money that quickly? Well, for us, we're pretty, we, we are an open book. I mean, we've told people if they wanted to come in anytime and look at our accounts or look at where money is spent, they can come and do that. I mean, we're very open that way just because as you know, for me, I want to make sure that we are good stewards of every dollar that comes in, right? And you'll find I'm the tightest guy in the world. So, <laughs> so like, I mean, I am not joking. There may be something that's like, that's that's going to cost us $100. And I'm like, ah, can we get it for like 80 70 <laughs> like, clearance? Like, I'm like, yeah, 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 totally. And so, um, so for us, I think that's a big thing. I think also... We love telling the stories of what we do, right, and the lives that are being changed and how people in the community can be a part of that change. Uh, volunteerism for us is a big deal of what we do, like any other nonprofit. And so we have anywhere between 200, 300 volunteers a month in many different areas of the Dream Center um, so that they can get involved. And once people get involved, they get close to, to the issues that we see and they also bring solutions and I'll take you know I've always said I'll always take solutions from people that are close with us it's when you've got people outside of an organization trying to tell us how to run it that's where I'm like ah you have no clue you're not part of the community when, yeah when you are close you find solutions and so for us you know being consistent in what we do is a big big deal being there every night for kids that get off the bus or us going and picking them up for after school programs. You offer so many services. Yeah. And, and for us, it, it's just finding the needs within the community and then trying to address it. So huh. it, it, you know, for instance, during COVID. You yeah, how was that during COVID? Oh. <laughs> that must've been a nightmare. And a half. Absolutely. No, you try and do a group, right? You're taking a group of people who um, we don't know where they're at during the day. The expulsion and, rate back then, yeah. the anxiety of it, and yeah. all that. And yeah. then they're coming back to our facility every day. So we don't know if they've been around people that have got COVID or not. Yeah, from an executive director, not a humanity standpoint, from, from someone that is directing all this, having to mandate the legality aspect of it. Like, how's that? How was it? It was tough. Um you know, our housing side was the biggest area we had to be careful with because it was life and death. One person gets it, then you've got 30 people getting it. These people that don't have health insurance? Absolutely. And also, you know, aren't health-wise, don't, aren't great, you know, health-wise. Um, a lot of, lot of the homeless folks that we see have a, have a huge background of medical issues. So you take COVID that comes along now, it's scary. Um, so we, the way we did it was we've got many different divisions of the Dream Center. We've, we've talked about two, I'll, and we'll get to the other two in a moment, but what we said was the homeless shelter will stay open, the village, the apartments is staying open, our after-school program, we're closing. However, our workers and volunteers, we went and bought 20 computers, laptops, hotspots, and we were going to the kids' homes and making sure that they were keeping up with their schooling. You really went above and beyond. We had to because we knew if you go a year, for us, if you go two or three weeks, these students are falling behind. I am severe, like, just man to man, I am impressed by this. Like, I'm... It, it, was, it was a tough time. Yeah. Because we knew these kids would fall behind if, if we're not there for them. So not only huh. did we do that, we also knew that it was going to be a pressure on those homes. Of course. Financially, food. So what we did was, and we also knew it wasn't just the people we were serving. This was a reality check for me. I had some of our volunteers contacting me and saying, Andy, I know I come and serve you 
so well. But do you have any food baskets or anything? I've just been laid off. I don't know if I'm going to have money. Yeah, COVID layoffs, that's right. Yeah. So we had volunteers that were needing help. So what we did at that point, we contacted three churches in the area, one in Germantown Hills, Northwoods on the North End, uh, and Dream Center. That was the downtown spot. And for three days a week, we had our box truck in that parking lot. And anyone in the area could drop off groceries. And so we literally, in in like a six-week span, gave out around 5,000 fully loaded baskets of groceries to people. And so what we did, we collected three days, and then one day we would create a line where people could just come and get get items. And then those items also we were delivering to people who worked who we worked with, the students and the families that we worked with. Um, and we did that for about, it was about four months until it, you know, then then some of the um, the tax breaks were coming in, you know what I mean, and people were getting a bit of money. And so during that real crucial time, it was about eight weeks, was where we were doing really, really severe type of collection and giving out. So, That's amazing to see. Yeah. Now, one of the things that we noticed as well and this leads into into the third area that we have was everything public closed, including public restrooms. Oh yeah. So when you've <laughs> got that. so when you've got, for instance, when you've got um, guys and gals who are homeless, the majority can get into shelters, but there is a small crowd that can't because of their backgrounds right especially if there's kids that are at the shelters they may not be able to be around kids i know what you mean you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so there's a small pocket 30 to 40 and so at that time before covid hit the 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 fall before i had been talking to our board about something that i'd seen in bigger cities that i wanted to bring to peoria and that was basically how could we take what we do at the Dream Center into the streets and to places where people cannot get to us, right? <laughs> we know there's people that can't get to us, whether it's you no know, transportation, uh, just location, sickness, things like that. So we had already planned to launch what we now call DCP Mobile. And what that is is a fleet of trucks that have services on them that we can take to areas of the city. And so we were already planning this, right? Then COVID hit and we realized this is a huge need, especially when public bathrooms close. And so that first year, crazy again, within a few weeks, we raised the money and we bought a shower truck. And so this shower truck has four bathrooms, four showers on them. We, we hook into the fire hydrants and then the water goes through a heater. So it's heated water and people can have showers and go to the bathroom. And so if that wasn't enough, then I'm like, okay, what are the next steps? What, what How do we create a bit of a convoy? And so right now with DCP Mobile, we have the shower unit that is pulled by a mobile laundry unit with three washers and three dryers. We then have a mobile hair salon that is an RV that we converted. (laughs) And then we've just like literally, literally this week got the fire inspection done and we have a food truck. And so all these vehicles can go out to different areas of the city. Like this last week we were at Jolt, uh, which is another nonprofit. And the guys were getting showers and there was clothing there we could give them. Uh, the laundry, we could do laundry while they like, wait. I, I knew you did stuff, but I didn't know it was this extent, <laughs> yeah. like this extensive. Like you, it feels like you're ready to go at any moment. Anytime. For anybody. Yeah. It could be three in the morning. You just hear, hey, they need food. You could get the food truck yeah. to them immediately. Absolutely. It's a bit like last week when, you know, when or two weeks ago when the we didn't know if there was going to be tornadoes that would touch down around the area. I was bunkered in the basement. Yeah, it was, it was. you know, we didn't know what we what we were going to, because a few years back, 
you know, Washington got hit pretty hard and we, we helped pretty significantly back then. Oh, you did? But, but we didn't have trucks back then. So we, we set up base and then we would send volunteers over and work with a church in Washington because people were like, where do we go? What do we do? So we worked with Connect Church over in Washington and said, here's volunteers from the Dream Center. And then Pastor Dave Jane over there then got them into different areas to help. It's like not first responder, but like your second responder. It's like yeah. you're, you're right there. Yeah. You might be not be there for, you know, the firefight or all that, but you're there immediately right, right after. And we and we've we have been for years. Um, for instance, so the last the last area of the Dream Center is what we call DCP Cares, which is our outreach programs that people can get involved with. So, for instance, we have a clothing store. It's open twice a month. That's open, right? And the reason why it's twice a month is because we don't want to be part of the problem. If we were open every day, people would just rely on us constantly and never, like, go for a job or look for different things on their own. And so we said, let's open twice a month. We're there for different services. We've not only got... The clothing store, there's a hair salon within the Dream Center as well that people can get their hair cut. Um, but what that, we call it the Hope Store, and what the Hope Store is also there for is we have basic essentials in there, clothing, uh, hygiene products, shoes, things like that, you know, uh, pots and pans for a house, curtains, you know, just things like that, right? Just everything. Everything like that. We don't do furniture but it's more like the household essentials, right? Like Target, but affordable. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) nothing, right? And we give everyone a bag, and when the bag's full, that's it, right? (sighs) And so not only do we open that twice a month, but also if there's a fire in the city, if there's some type of disaster that happens in the city, a family's displaced, the city are calling the Dream Center immediately saying, can we get this family in? They've lost everything, and we open up immediately. Also, we're one of the first places where if a kid is pulled out of a dangerous situation with DCFS, then the caseworker and the student, or just the caseworker, has our number, and they can come and get items as quickly as they can, because a lot of these kids leave without grabbing anything, because it could be dangerous. Of course. And so so the, the trucks... Are really been an extension of things like that that we do. We and we we do fun stuff as well. In in um, uh, on the April twenty ninth, just a few weeks, we're going to have an event called Serve the City, where we encourage people to come to the Dream Center for a morning, and we have twenty different sites throughout the community with different nonprofits and different churches and different um, different other areas of the city where we'll send work project teams out and so they can come to the dream center and we'll do their we'll set up their outreach for them you you know what i mean so churches haven't got to create an outreach side of their church just let the dream center do it for you and so that's that's some of the things that we've done over the years to really impact the area what area don't you have covered well what area do you want to have covered let me ask that um you're smirking, so there's something you're working on that you don't want to talk about right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, right now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just it. put it this way. There is a, there is a need within our city mm-hmm. with teen moms that we see a huge need. And so we'll be in the next year, we'll be addressing that. I can't <laughs> so go I'm into it too much. Yeah, see, there you go. Exactly. But, you know, one of, the thing, <laughs> one of the things that everyone always asks, well, how did the Dream Center start? You know, how yes. how did it start and what about your building, right? So, like I mentioned, this church, Riverside Community Church, saw a need that they wanted to address. And that was that people were coming to their church that were from the near north side and there was needs that they were bringing. And it was too big for them. So they wanted to create something that could really help, Right. But one of the needs that they heard in them very early years was kids that were not equipped for school because the grandparents or the single parent mom couldn't afford school supplies. 
And so back then we heard this quite a bit. So literally before the Dream Center was established as a Dream Center, they did this program called Backpack Peoria. And, heard that and, before. And over the years it's grown. But the first year we told the community we are going to have some backpacks with school supplies, be at this location at this day, right before school. And what happened was they had uh, 300 bags loaded with school supplies and they were gone within 20 minutes because there were so many people that came for them. And so from that first backpack Peoria day, so now this year we gave away our hundred hundred thousandth bag and school supplies. How many years has Dream Center been up now? Twenty one years. So we are averaging around two to two and a half thousand backpacks loaded with school supplies every year now. So the the last Jul Saturday in July we do backpack Peoria, and here's what we do: we have the two and a half thousand backpacks loaded with school supplies. We have $750, $10 uniform cards for Sam Harris Uniform Store. We have medical and dental exams going on. Kids can register for school. We work with the school district. All the schools are represented. We have 30 different nonprofits on site as well. So as mom is coming through with the kids, she's also finding out about other amazing services within our community. And then the last thing they get is the backpack. So we want them to go through this whole experience and then get the backpack because we don't want kids starting school bad. We want them starting school well. Give them all the opportunities. Give them the opportunities. If kids are being sent home because they're not registered or they don't have school supplies or they don't have the right uniform on, then we can address that as a community. We fail those communities. Yeah, the case. absolutely. So for us... And people always ask me, well, how do you do backpack? Well, one, we purchase everything, right? Nothing is used. So the bags are brand new. The school supplies come saran wrapped in a box, ready to go. And they're in the bag. It costs about 40 grand to pull off backpack Peoria. And but you're making them feel a part of the community. Absolutely. There may be kids that have the 24 box set of color gray ones but here you have saran wrap everything yeah you have brand new brand new you have that instilled gumption like well no i'm still i can make this happen yeah and they're ready to go huh. they're ready to go how's it feel to see all the faces coming through throughout the years of backpack peoria specifically like how's it feel to see that growth from where it was to now um it's i'll be honest it's bittersweet how so because the more people are coming, the greater the need. In our business, if if people are coming and our numbers are up, it means there's need within the community. And my dream, I know this sounds crazy, but my dream is there isn't a dream center. Because then, done the work. yeah, people's needs are being met. But especially in the last few years, COVID, coming out of COVID, the economy crunch, everything that's happening, our job has intensified. We have seen more need than ever before. And so we just keep trying to find the needs within the community and trying to address them, maybe address them creatively, maybe address them just straight on. We've got to get someone a shower. We've got to get them clothes today, whatever the case, so that we can really better the whole community then. And that's what it's all about. Uh, yet we're faith-based. Yet we've got a big Jesus's sign on top of our building. We, we're... We don't back down from any of that, but what we have found is being the hands and feet of Jesus is, is way easier than trying to preach at people. It is. And so that's what we try to do is just try to be... Um, you meet as, people where they are. As, as Exactly. Exactly. And that's in all different walks of life. Even in our homeless shelter, it's literally from, you know, a 75, 80-year-old uh, lady that may have mental illness all the way down to a, a pregnant mom or a newborn. And it's everyone in between. And so for us, you know, um, we're just thankful that we can do what we're doing in the building we're doing. And 
to be honest with you, the way we got our building was a story in itself. Mm. And it, am I okay to share that Come on, story? Let's go. I'm on the clock. Okay. <laughs> so our building, um, it was the old YMCA building. Mm -hmm. It was built in 1953, and. I was about two years into being the executive director and um, I had a cubicle uh, at the church. There was me and a part-timer and I, I remember walking into uh, the board and saying, I'm done. And they're like, wait, you've only been here two years. And I'm like, no, no, not done, done. I'm done with not having a dream center. We can't say we're the dream center when we don't have the center part. We're just the dream part. And so um, they said, well, what do, you, what do you want to do? And I said, listen, I said, there has been this YMCA building that has been empty for four years. I want to go and talk to them. And they're like, well, okay. Now, you got to remember, our budget back then was just over $100,000 a year. You want the right? building. Right. <laughs> We're now going to go for this building. The building, four years, when it went on the market four years before we entered the talks, started at $4 million. That, which is <laughs> a lot about of money. overshooting yeah, yeah, yeah. coverage, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now we've gone four years. It's now down to 1.4 million, but still 1.4 yeah. million we do not have, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but they didn't know that. So... <laughs> Can't bluff the casino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I go and start talking. I called the Y, and the guy on the phone starts laughing at me. Hmm. And he's like, "You want to buy the building?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "It's really funny that you should call today." And I said, "Why?" He said, "Because in the last nine months, we haven't had one person call wanting to buy this building, but today." You have called and Methodist Hospital have called, which is directly across the street from this building. Yeah. And he said, that's funny. You guys both would call on the same day. Yeah. And I said, well, let's meet. Why don't your board, my board and Methodist board all meet? Stop. So we met at the building and I just got up and just shared my heart for the poor and the broken and kids especially. And I mean, I knew the meth the, the the hospital was in the room. So I even was like, you know, this will be a spiritual hospital. You know, like I'm trying to the like keywords. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm this I've got one shot at this, right? I'm going for it. So I sit down and then Methodist Hospital then got up and said, Well, if we bought the building, we would knock it down. They said, We don't want the building. What we want is the football field size parking lot that is across the street that is a part of this property. And so I said, so wait a minute. So let me get you right. You would knock down a 140,000 square foot building just so you can get the parking lot across the street. And they said, yeah. I said, wait, wait, wait. We want the building. You want the parking lot. It's 1.4 million for the whole thing. I said to them, what do you want to pay for the parking lot? And they said, we'll pay 1.2 million. Stop. <laughs> so we bought the Dream Center for $200,000. I almost cussed. I almost cussed. <laughs> I mean, I can cuss, but I want to cuss at you. But the inner Chicago in me wanted to say something really bad right there. Uh, so here's, here, and here's the crazy thing. Since <laughs> then, we've had that about 15, 16 years. We've literally put $10 million into the building. Yeah, the programs alone and everything. Right. Well, just the just the actual building and getting it in shape, about $10 million. We have never gone to the bank once. I almost cussed at you again. <laughs> ah, what? Because people get behind the vision. They get behind the story of what we're doing and what we're trying to do. You know, when we did, we did a homeless shelter renovation that was finished. Now, tell me this wasn't... A God thing. It opened Christmas Eve of 2019, oh. right? It took about nine months to renovate, going from one floor of the Dream Center, and we expanded onto two floors 
So one floor was for sleeping. The other floor was for during the day, right? That was a $1.4 million renovation, <laughs> right? And within a few months, we had it all paid for. That's the third time I was cussed at you. Right. That's crazy. Right, because, because people see the need. They see that the way we're trying to do it, and they want to get behind it. And so... When I say ten million, like that includes that renovation. We've re we've replaced all the roofs, which can you imagine is crazy amount of money. We've renovated areas of the Dream Center, um, old. You know the old. Okay, here's another thing you, you don't think about when you buy a building. And you, they're like two hundred thousand. Yeah, our Ameren bill. <laughs> When we they're bought, not sponsored, so we can talk yeah, about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we <laughs> bought the building, now they help us a lot now. All right, but, never mind, friend. <laughs> your acquaintances. <laughs> but when we bought the building, our Amarin bill was sixteen to seventeen thousand oh. dollars a month oh. in the winter. <laughs> so the biggest job that we had oh. to do in the and this will you'll get a kick out of this. We had to replace every window in the building because they were breezy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the windows alone cost $400,000. Why did you just put plastic over it? Well, think about what we bought the building for. The oh, windows cost double <laughs> what we bought the building. Right? <laughs> then we had to get all the, the ACs and all the <sighs> furnaces because it was on this old boiler system. So it's stuff like that that over the years people have just invested in. And we're not there yet. We need people investing us even more now. Remember I mentioned it was $100,000, yeah. right, that cost in a year. Now we have over 50 staff members. A lot of people that we've hired that have come through our program. So like the gal who runs our homeless shelter 20 years ago was living in a car homeless, running from an abusive relationship, came into the Y when it was the Y, and when the Y ran the homeless shelter there, got a job there, went through the programs, when we then took on the homeless shelter, I said to her, you've got to come and help me. I've never run a homeless shelter before. She is still with us. Can I talk to her? I would love to hear that story. Oh, her story is crazy. I'll, I'll connect you with yes. her. Because alone. her story is incredible. So not only is she employed, uh -huh. when she was running this abusive relationship, she had these two little kids. One of the little kids is now one of our main maintenance guys at the Dream Center. So it is the community that you're talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. It's not only building it, it's stealing that hope, but providing the humanity enough that they want to give back. Yeah. We've even got we've even got kids with our trades programs that we're hiring to be student leaders within the programs. That has to be something. Like, as an individual that goes through the program and now giving back, and that's now a job for me. Like, I... Just put myself in the shoes for a second. It's like the f passion you got instilled, you're not putting it back out. That's yeah. You're now creating mentorship within the community. Absolutely. And that's why we're always talking to people about, you know, I, I talked about the 100,000, right? 50-odd mm -hmm. staff members. We're now a $2.5 million operation. So it's it's not like... We're on cruise control. Like, yeah, we get probably a million through grants mm -hmm. because of the work we do. We have FEMA and different other uh, agents, uh, other different um, grants that come in, right, from the government, city, state. But then we've got to raise a million and a half or more every year. So we have a good year, but we're like, okay, we're, but we've, we've got to go and tell the story again. Yeah. And people just get involved monthly. They're involved financially. They get involved with projects, things like that. And so, you know, I, I want to make sure people hear me that we are constantly needing more help, not just financially, but the more people that come into the Dream Center, the more volunteers that we need. And we love using people with their skills and their abilities. So, for instance, the guy who started the trade school with us he bought his motorbike in and said can i show a kid how to how to take the oil out and how to rebuild a motorbike and you know what we had him doing before that because huh. he was an engineer we thought all engineers are great at math <laughs> and so we're like give him the math class 
And he comes up to me and he's like, I'm terrible at math. He's like, but can I bring my motorbike in and show a kid life skills from him using his strengths and bringing that in? He now has this full-blown department. He has 20 volunteers just in the motor mechanics area. I feel like everything from Australia to now has just been God. Serendipity. It's just following the little whisper you hear. Yeah. Small. The, the odds that for that amount of time, nobody contacted them, the wife. Right. And then one day, both of you. And yeah. you're able to sales pitch them and all they want is yeah. the parking lot. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, looking back, and you know, you've been Peoria for a year, so you won't remember this. But Methodist Hospital, you used to go into the main entrance. You would drive underneath the building and ER and everything was right there. When they did this negotiation with us, it was because they changed the whole way you go into the hospital now. And so that was a critical piece for them. We didn't know that at the time. And, and here's the other thing. They already owned two thirds of that parking lot. It was the last third, that football field sized parking lot that they needed so that they could create the entrance in. We didn't know that. So if they hadn't changed that, we wouldn't no have dream center. Yeah. Crazy. That's that got my hairs up again. Yeah. Because it's, it's crazy when you retrospectively start looking back. Not crazy, but it's intense. When you start looking at your story, you start saying, wait, this had to happen in order for these dominoes to fall down. Yeah. And if this one domino is not there, yeah. actually, if you really think about it, if that one person that stuck uh, stood up to talk and wasn't from yeah. Peoria, yeah. did not know about it, did not know about Washington, all that, yeah, none of this happened. Here's a, here's a crazy thing. When we moved to Washington, I was telling this story to a, a lady in the church and I told her this guy's name who got up to preach. And she's like, I went to high school with him. <laughs> because she was from East Peoria, Washington area. And he's like, she's like, I always wondered what he was doing. Because he left like 17, 16, 17. And he was now 30 odd, right? Speaking in Australia, lives there. She went to, went to school with him. She knew him. How crazy was that? It's, so you it, know everything works uh, works well and and you know with, when it comes to the dream center, like I said, we're always looking. Uh, you know, right now, for instance, we are about six months away hmm. from opening a recording studio at the dream center. Oh, so you need some people to teach voice work. Come on, all right, might as well. You know, we're gonna have I'm podcasting in room in there. We're gonna have, uh, you know, obviously bands will be able to go in there. I'm but good the, with uh, digital flyers. See? Audio editing. Oh. Uh, I used to teach um, audio classes. Okay, cool. And uh, Come voiceover on. work, radio, all that. Come on. We, we make this happen. Yeah, we just, we just got a grant from uh, Springfield Clinic and also from a private donor who is setting it up with all the tech you can imagine, brand new Pro Tools and everything else. And, really? And uh, so the way that will work, the recording studio is on the weekends – Bands will be able to come in, rent it, you know, record. The money that comes in from that will help them run the program. But then during the week, kids will be learning guitar lessons, drum lessons, bass, keyboard, and they'll be able to not learn it, not just learn it, but then go in the studio and record. This has got to be serendipity too. I, I used to teach audio classes. Oh, man, come on. We're just it's been a the while. Street. It's been a while That's trying right. to get they you on this no. pod. <laughs> I've been trying to get you on this pod for a little bit. It just so happens you're here now. Yeah. All so, right. Before we wrap up, Andy. Yeah. Uh, just remind anybody listening: this is Andy King, the executive director of Dream Center Peoria. Amazing conversation. Two questions I'm gonna ask: one's business and one's personal. Business. If there's anybody that likes to get more information or get in contact to volunteer to get a part of everything going on at Dream Center yeah. Peoria, how can they find you? The best way is to go to dreamcenterpeoria.org. That's the best way. Um, and also follow us on social media, at Dream Center Peoria. And if you want to follow me, you can. I'm at Andy 
Brit, B-R-I-T. Oh, very on brand. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so if you want to get a hold of us that way, definitely reach out. Um, so yeah, that's the best way, especially volunteering. There's a button there that says get involved and you can hit volunteer. I got a message from you very quickly reaching out through the uh, email or yeah. the app. Not the app, the uh, website. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, okay. Last question before we wrap up. Yeah. Let's, let's go back in time. Let's go back to Australia sitting in that moment looking back from here to now how does that all feel man it's been a journey because it's not all ups right it's there's downs as well Mm -hmm. but i can honestly say god's looked after me and my family and i've had to get out of the boat so to speak you know from the the bible where peter got out the boat he didn't know where he was going but he stood on water Mm-hmm. that's been me and my story and sometimes I've sank right <laughs> we are yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but just um, just looking back how God's been good and we've been able to impact so many people and keep going I'll, I'll finish with this I was at an event um, just a few months back I just finished speaking I come off the stage and this African American guy came up to me probably about 25. And he's like, you you have no idea who I am. He's like, but I just want to say thank you. Mm-hmm. I said, why? He said, because 10 years ago, I was living in the shelter with my mom. And I just want to let you know, I'm now a homeowner. I've got a job. I'm doing well. I've got a family. I just want to say thank you. They're the moments that I live for. That's beautiful. That's been another episode of the KZ Community Beat. My guest this week, Andy King, the executive director of Dream Set in Peoria. Maybe my boss eventually for teaching radio classes. Come on. <laughs> all right, go back, listen to all the other episodes, and I will tell Santa Claus you've been a good person to me and mine. Without further ado, peace out.